Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of United Airlines Flight 863. Thanks for listening. It's less hot today. Are you less hot today? Yes, it is still pretty humid, but it's less hot. So I'll take it. Less hot. Less hot is better than more hot. So yes. Uh, we are all of the stories we've done lately are in the summer. I should have, I should be picking a story that's in like January so that we can imagine yeah. a better world. But yeah. I don't really, I mean, I like the heat. I like it, but you do. it's, you it. I like to like think about cold things when yeah. I'm, or like eat cold things when I'm not. Right. So. <laughs> um, today we're doing United 863. So United Airlines, you guys know, you're familiar. United yeah. Airlines 863. Um, and we're going back to June 28th, 1998. Great year. Great year. Great year. Great year. Great year to be a kid. Year. Really? Yeah. Aw. Happy baby. birthday, Tyler. Right, right on time. Uh, yeah. Right on time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right on time for him, right? But yeah. 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 Just late in comparison to everyone who was born before that. Right. <laughs> But yeah, the um, yeah, it's like really I can't I like think of anyone born in like 1994 as like, well, that's like a, a kid. Like that's yeah. a child because yeah. that's my baby brother was born, you know, in 1994. Right. Um, no, <laughs> turns out, turns Older out w- like no, in it is uncontested that yeah. you are an adult if you were born in 1994. Right. <laughs> like there's just no way around it. But um, and we're flying a beautiful, glamorous, gorgeous, transcendental 747. We're back in the best plane awesome. ever. Yes. Um, United does not have any more 747s, which is a shame. A shame. Yeah. Um, and so we're flying from San Francisco to Sydney. So we're taking the biggest plane, the best plane, the most beautiful plane, all the way from yeah. San Francisco to Sydney. It's, it's 15 trip, hours. Right? Super long. 15 hours. Yeah. Super long. Super long. And there's no screens on the, you know, like backs yeah. of the TVs and stuff. and Or no TVs on the backs of the seats, chairs yeah. in front of you. Seats. Yeah. And so I guess it is an overnight flight. So hopefully you're going to take a nap. Right. Hopefully you're going to yeah. go to sleep. Um, we're leaving. The idea is like get into the air by 11 p.m. local time. Arrive whenever. I don't know what time that means you arrive in <laughs> Sydney. I just don't know that. Uh, there are 307 souls on board uh, and uh, 288 passengers, 15 flight attendants, four pilots. Uh, there's this is a modern 747, um, and there is no. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever you want to say, I think it's unfortunate. There's no flight engineer. There's just two, like a two pilots who are starting the flight, and then two relief pilots. So uh, we're starting off with the captain and the first officer sitting in their respective seats, and then the relief pilots are in the cockpit with them, uh, mm-hmm. sitting in jump seats, and they'll take over you know, during the flight, because 15 hours is a really long time. You can't fly that long by yourself. You wouldn't want to. Um, And and 288 people on a 747 is pretty nice, right? I don't know exactly what the breakdown is. If, like, there's 
two people on the upper level and everybody else is on the lower level so then maybe it wouldn't be as comfortable but yeah it's not too bad the flight attendants are probably happy it's not packed right right i wonder i wonder if weight distribution matters at all in that like top versus bottom i don't think as much for the like top and bottom on such a big plane and i think that they I don't know. It is interesting, right? Because in the belly of a 747, especially on a long flight like that, they're going to be bringing so much cargo. Mm-hmm. So it really is going to be a lot heavier on the belly. Right. Right. But whales are heavier on the belly, though. Right. So maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. I will say this about 747s. Yeah. It is inconceivable when you look at them on the ground that it could possibly fly you're like no of course that can't fly right of course it can't of course not of course but not. when you like watching them take off it Ugh. looks so beautiful and natural yeah. and you're like oh okay of course it flies it's like i don't know yes. my brain just like shifts gears immediately like oh yeah that's gonna take off no problem look at it go yeah. like it's truly but, amazing yeah it really is yeah yeah uh the plane is so we're going super far uh big planes like this going internationally are always going to be full of cargo so there's a ton of fuel you know a 747 has four engines it's a massive plane it takes a an ocean of fuel to uh fly this distance tons of fuel tons of cargo everybody's luggage it's 1998 so everybody can like bring luggage without the extra fees and stuff like that it's not an empty plane, right? There's 307 people on board. That's, you know, it's significant. So this is like a heavy plane (laughs) that's like right on the edge of, like it's it's kind of maxed out for weight, which Mm -hmm. is ideal from the airline's perspective, right? They will want to pack as much cargo onto a plane as possible. I don't know if everybody realizes um, like with uh, when I worked for Japan Airlines, there would always be cargo, right, waiting to go on the plane if there was enough space for it. And mm. they would do all these calculations in the office, depending on how many bags people checked and how many. Um, it was like a, di- a job the day before where you would kind of plug in all the information into like this spreadsheet algorithm thing that would. Uh, get sent to the cargo office and they would estimate how much cargo is going to be able to go on the plane and obviously if things change like passengers and passengers bags were the first priority but they're always hoping to get as much cargo on the plane as possible so the like getting the plane as full as possible is ideal of course right um, and I don't know if I've ever spelled this out maybe I did a very long time ago but planes are logically going to be heavier when they take off than they are when they land because you will burn up fuel and with you know little flights regional flights stuff like that it doesn't make any big difference right you're not you're not packing as much stuff onto a little plane right there's not like oceans of cargo to go between like Syracuse and Pittsburgh or whatever, right? Right. But the um on a big international flight like this, you're going to be much heavier when you take off than yeah. you are when you land. And you are in fact going to be so heavy when you take off that you are too heavy to land at that same weight. It would be right. unsafe. So a weight that's safe to take off at is legitimately dangerous to land with because when you hit the ground at that weight, at that speed, you could, I mean, it could snap the plane. It's 
dangerous. Yeah. And that's what dumping fuel is all about. So just to do some table setting for this flight. Um, so it's a little bit foggy, but it is an overnight flight. And so like being able to see is already not so much of a, you're not anticipating being able to see that well anyway, because it's yeah. nighttime. Um, and it's not crazy foggy, right? Um, they can see the lights, they can see the runway, everything like that. So it's fine. Uh, it's San Francisco in the summer, which yeah. I, I'm sorry, in my opinion, I know people love it. San Francisco, to me, that's the worst possible weather. Yeah. I would, I, I would take, I would take Phoenix or whatever over, yeah. it seems awful, but I know people like it. So great. God bless them. <laughs> but, uh, so it's a little foggy cause I assume it's always foggy cause the weather is terrible and it's nighttime and, uh, we're getting ready to go. So everything's packed up. We're fueled up crazy heavy. That's fine. That's the idea. And, uh, at like around a quarter to 11, we are, uh, on the runway getting ready to go. The first officer is going to be flying. He's doing the takeoff which is lovely so we actually don't have the pilot's name for this one we don't have anybody's names um and i did not name them which was a careless mistake on my part but (laughs) the uh captain is very experienced he's one of the most he's of all of the pilots you working for united he actually has uh he's one of the highest number of flight hours of anybody else working for united yeah he's i mean he's no carlos he's got like twenty thousand hours if he's 19 then he's carlos but he's (laughs) i assume an adult man so um the captain is very experienced he's not going to be flying he's he's doing the other half of the duties right Mm -hmm. for taking off the first officer is taking off and he's plenty he's ten thousand hours that's great that's amazing that's that's literally ten thousand more than oliver have right like you know and uh he also has taken off once Uh, in the last year how in an entire year because I don't know exactly, okay. but this is kind of a famous problem in aviation, mm. and we can talk more about it in another time or at the end of this conversation, but just the way scheduling works and the way everything, yeah. um, pilots, unless you are like consciously making an effort to uh, take off and land and you know perform those tasks, often it pretty easy to just get a different half of the tasks right or he's a 747 pilot so he maybe he's been the relief officer a lot or maybe he's whatever whatever it is and he's just always flown like the middle section of the flight so but he's taken off today baby he's got this and uh they put him into the flight simulator you know so it's they they try to pilots have to spend a certain number of hours in the flight simulator flight simulators are um designed to be extremely realistic it's you know they try to keep them fresh but as it turns out our boy has taken off once this year and this is this is number two in the last literally the last 12 months so he's getting ready to go and uh two relief uh pilots in the cockpit strapped in and uh, everybody's buckled up and they rocket down the runway and everything's golden and it's a really full plane so they get up to speed and they lift up off the ground 
And as soon as they lift up off the ground, there's this like intense vibration through the whole plane and this like thud, 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 thud sound. And it's vibrating so hard Oof. that the, the instruments in front of them are not visible. Like they can't focus their eyes because they're vibrating so fast on okay. the instruments. And the first officer um, pulls up the gear and they're they're just kind of sluggishly slowly like coming away from the ground and so because it happened as he was pulling up the gear the first officer's first instinct is that maybe they blew a tire and when they pulled it up into the uh like when they retracted it back up into the belly of the plane maybe there's something like thudding or spinning you know if a broke busted tire is still spinning with momentum or whatever underneath their belly so he's trying to figure that out and he pulls the nose up a little bit he like boops the nose of the plane up because he's trying to go up right they're trying to pull away from the ground so he pulls it up just a little bit more at a higher angle the captain this is all happening extremely fast the captain is isn't flying so he's looking at everything he gets his eyes to focus on the like vibrating shaking controls and he can see that the engine number three which is the engine that would be closest to the first officer on the right side of the plane that engine uh guys engines are hot they are unbelievably hot i never in my life until doing this flight realized how unbelievably hot they are so the maximum heat for takeoff on a 747 is 1202 degrees fahrenheit no and guys celsius i don't know but it's extremely hot it's like (laughs) it's 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 like 12 pizza ovens hot it's unbelievably hot And this engine, engine three, that's the max. And engine three is 1,380 degrees. So it's literally already, they've just, just started. They're barely off the ground. They're like 80 feet off the ground. And it's like boil. I mean, beyond boiling is stupid. Boiling is 212 degrees. This is literally 10 times that or whatever. So it's insanely hot. And so he uh, pulls back the throttles on engine three because he doesn't want it to explode, overheat, melt. I don't know how it doesn't melt at that heat. I don't know how it's done. So they're doing that. And there's a bunch of like warnings going off. But as he pulls the throttle back on engine three, the thudding stops and the vibrating stops and it starts to calm down. And there's still a lot of like air and like lights and all this stuff that have gone off but the vibration has stopped and the thudding has stopped and it seems like okay 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 so they're still the the uh first officer is like got the nose up he's the one flying the plane and uh the captain starts to uh like try to take care of all those little like lights and warnings and things that have started to go off so he asks the relief pilots who are just sitting in the in their jump seats he says will you guys do the uh engine failure checklist and i'll attend to all of these lights and stuff and first officer you can keep flying the plane right the plane is so heavy and so they are just at kind of this critical time where they're trying to like get a plane that weighs like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tons up off the ground and into like you know to forty thousand feet or where their cruising altitude is so they're trying to get up but now they've they're down an engine which a plane can 
there's four engines for a reason. The reason there's four engines is so that they can fly with less than four engines, right? Um, but it still slows things down, right? It's still like a little bit sluggish. The first officer is trying to like fly this, like get it up, but it's super sluggish. And so he's bringing the nose up. Because there's all the engines were on full thrust, right? And the uh, captain pulled back thrust on engine three, which means there's twice as much thrust now on the left side as there is on the right side. And that means that the plane is starting to turn to the right. Uh, and the first officer wants to counteract that. And so he's holding the yoke in his hand, which was just vibrating insanely. And he turns the yoke, the controls to the left. Now, that is that's not how you're supposed to handle this situation. Like, I'm not trying to beat this guy up, but he you're supposed to use rudder controls in order to counteract differential thrust. Yeah. Because if you use the yoke, then you're using your ailerons, the little flappy flaps on the end of the wing, instead of the rudder. And those ailerons being up or down, that's going to create more drag. And it's going to turn the plane a little bit. So it's going to be kind of like a little crabbed over. So the plane is trying to ascend it has less engines uh, ha or fewer engines rather it has now this like extra resistance from the ailerons and they've still got flaps out because they were taking off so they're getting like more sluggish like just ugh, slowing down when they really need to not be slowing down also by pointing the nose up something we've talked about you think your human instinct i want to go up i point nose up but if you don't have the power and the speed and everything right. to actually point the nose up and go up, then gravity is trying to pull you back down. So as you point the nose up more, if you're not adding more power, you're going to slow down. Mm -hmm. So now he's got he's he's got the ailerons and he's slowing it down that way and he's pointing the nose up and he's slowing it down that way and they're down an engine and they're really heavy but okay okay we're controlling this situation we're doing it the guys in the back the uh, two pilots that are in the jump seats are doing the um engine checklist for the engine that is way too hot the captain is focused on like troubleshooting that with them and dealing with all these lights that have gone off and we're in the air right we're going we're doing it we're trying the first officer is doing his best but the plane is very low and it is a entire 747 and yeah. it is unbelievably loud and they're just flying over San Francisco. They've like come off course because of the differential thrust. Right. So even though he's trying to the first officer is trying to counteract it, they're still like veering off course to the um as it works they're veering off course to the right and so there's people underneath them who are uh starting to freak out because it's almost midnight and there's a giant yeah. unbelievably loud plane flying super low they're at like they're not yet at a thousand feet they're like very low very Jeez. loud this is not how this is supposed to go and people on the ground are like calling 911 calling the airport being like is something wrong like this yeah. is not how it's supposed to be this i don't like this at all and uh so everybody's just doing the rest just trying to figure it out um no one has noticed 
that the plane is slowing down more and more and more. They're, they're gaining a tiny amount of altitude, but it just keeps slowing down. And no one has noticed that because they veered off course, they are heading straight for what's called San Bruno Mountain. Okay. And San Bruno Mountain, if you live in San Francisco, maybe you're familiar, but it's a hill, right? It's, but it's a mountain, I guess. It's 1300 feet. It's 1300 feet off the ground, right? So 1300 feet should be pretty easy for a commercial jet to fly over. This is not normally a problem, but they're bleeding off speed and they're not ascending fast enough. And they're all, even though there's four brains in the cockpit, they're doing their best trying to figure it out, but they're not, they don't realize that that's the direction they're heading in and the our girl in the air traffic control uh like office is watching them veer off course and is like uh something is wrong this is not right and they call her and say um like hey we lost an engine we're gonna come back and she's like okay so they know that things are awry they've got this under control thankfully it's super late there's not that many planes in the sky they got this right they got this uh the everybody's like focused focused trying to do their thing and the relief pilots who are just in their in their jump seats, all strapped in, not close to the instruments, right? But I guess pilots have good eyesight, hopefully. Uh, they're running through the checklist and both of them at the same moment click and look and see that the uh, airspeed is gotten has gotten way too low. Yeah. It has gotten way too low and they are fully about to stall and they both scream airspeed at the same moment just like see it yell it airspeed and then the first officer hears them and the captain like snaps back out of his like kind of you know focusing on figuring out all these different like lights and stuff everybody like clicks at once and realizes they're way too slow and at the same moment the stick shaker goes off and when the stick shaker goes off that means that when the controls physically shake in your hand to like slap you in the face and wake you up and make you realize that like you are going to stall and when you stall it means you get too slow and you just fall out of the sky and they are at like 1400 feet like 1400 feet that is it's too close you are you have no no time because what you want to do in an ideal stall situation which doesn't exist if you're stalling that's not good that's not what you want to do but what you would do if you're stalling is you would tilt the nose down and you would let gravity help you speed up and then you would lift back up but they are very close to the ground and they are very heavy and they're heading toward this mountain but they don't know that they're headed toward the mountain they have not gotten that far and the captain uh the stick shaker goes off the captain says oop okay i got it and he like grabs the control takes over control of the plane and tilts the nose down which is exactly what you're supposed to do tilt the nose down you got to get some airspeed at the same moment that he tilts the nose down they get the whoop whoop pull up. They get the terrain proximity warning. And to me, that's the scariest one. Yes. To me, that's the scariest thing on the plane yeah. is is the warning that like you are about to crash into the ground. So he can't pull up because they'll stall and follow this guy and crash. He can't go down because that's where the ground is. They are very low and there's this stupid hill, San Bruno Hill or whatever. And so they are just like, oh, so to me on a human level as yeah. a person yeah. uh, it would snap my brain i don't know i don't yeah. know i don't what, know right what are the next steps they like, cannot pull up yeah they cannot go down it, they anything that they do 
will kill them. Right. And whoever's around on the ground and the other 303 people on the plane. And this captain has nerves of steel. Indescribable. I do not know what it would be like to be this man, but he just fucking holds it steady he just holds it steady and just like can't go up can't go down hold it steady and try to build some speed and just like let a little bit of the like a little bit of the altitude bleed off they're getting the whoop whoop pull up like warning over and over and over and over again but if he pulls up they're going to stall and he just holds it steady and in the air traffic control office our girl is watching this plane that said that they had to come back because they had an engine failure and they have gone way off course and she can see their altitude and she can see the hill and she is watching them and they blip off her screen. Oh no. And again, air traffic controllers, their communications are recorded too. And she like calls over to the other person in the office with her. And she said like, is 863 still Oh, there he is. <gasps> he scared me. We lost radar. Oh my they God. had just, just, there is a frigging uh, uh, radio tower on the top of this stupid hill. And <laughs> the radio tower, okay, they managed to just go less than 100 feet oh. over this hill mariah your building is higher than you're right now you are physically higher than 100 feet in the air and the stupid tower is would have closed that gap but they didn't hit it they just glided over and you know there were people on that hill just like hanging out looking at the sites or whatever and they just watched this unbelievable i mean the biggest thing in the world this humongous plane just overhead so they just over the hill don't hit it and they slowly start to like now they're over the hill so the whoop whoop stops and they're like getting their speed more under control and they slowly start to turn out over the water and like just pull up and the the captain is flying now and the air traffic controller calls them and is like Hey guys, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. we lost you for some, like, because they had just blipped out probably because of the interference from the yeah. hill and the tower and all of that, right? But right. so they had blipped off the screen at that moment and, oh. like, our girl, that is, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh Everyone's my gosh. Just stomach is in their throat for this entire I, time. It would be, it would be so hard. It would be so hard just to, like, go back to your normal extremely busy extremely taxing job after right. that to be like wait no i actually need to like cry and throw up for 20 yeah, minutes like right. can you just let me right I need but whoo, and the pilots who are still on the plane yes. which is still having problems right so they you know like scraped their belly over the hill or whatever oh. but they whoo so they call air traffic control and they're like hey we need to dump fuel yeah and she's like hey so happy to hear from you okay so you gotta go and then just give them vectors and like a plan for how to dump fuel so they go out over the water and they have enough fuel to fly a 747 to australia they have all 
all the fuel in the world is on this plane mm-hmm. and the little spout that it like spits out of is small right? right it takes a long time to fuel the plane in the first place it takes a long time to dump it right and i know dumping fuel we, i we all feel that well, yeah well, we, we all, all hate feel, it right? it's, it's like a it's, terrible thought just like, but if they try the to land the i don't know oh the kindergartners god bless them i hope one of them emails us someday and I tells know. us about it but like every, everyone lived everyone lived oh. but um the, the um flight they've got to go up to 5000 feet cuz they do if at all possible try to go up higher and that way when they dump the fuel it doesn't just go into the ocean it evaporates now right. things don't vanish when they evaporate so it comes down eventually but what you going to do what i don't know do, because yeah. if they try to land with all that fuel there's like a very good plane like a very good chance that the plane will will snap will break apart and if the plane breaks on the runway while landing full of fuel Everyone I mean, loses. horrific, yeah. horrific death of her. And the plane doesn't even deserve that. That poor plane doesn't deserve <laughs> that. But like the so they go and they're like flying in circles for an entire half hour dumping fuel. And in a half an oh. hour, they dump 60 tons of fuel but they still are too heavy they're literally still too heavy because they had so much fuel on board and so they're just like going in circles dumping fuel and they're still too heavy and our girl in the air traffic control tower is like hey guys the weather is getting worse like much worse and we're worried that like the visibility is going to deteriorate here so much that you couldn't land safely like you won't be able to see the runway at all you won't be able to see the light so it will literally not be possible to land here and they haven't actually dumped enough fuel and they're like these four guys are like hashing this out like uh this is again but it's what makes me so upset is it's it's the same kind of decision twice where it's like can't go up can't go down like can't land yet can't stay in the air like you can't like how did you get two decisions like that in such a short period of time (laughs) and so they hash it out and they're like i want to be on the ground let's go land like we got this like they so they go and they they stop dumping fuel they close the little spout or whatever and they fly over and the the weather is deteriorating, but it's not so badly that they can't land. And so they woo, land safely. Oh my Everybody lives. Thank God. Ooh. Guys. Guys. They did it. <laughs> they did it. They fucking landed. The, oh, oh my they, gosh. So right. And then you go home. <gasps> you go home. You go home and you, oh, you sleep go. for like two straight days. Right. So that's what everyone who like understands what happened. So like the the I the um air traffic controller, the pilots, yeah. like they know. And I hope that they just like I just yes, home. But the thing is they probably don't live in San Francisco, so like hotel, whatever. Right. Uh they all go to the air traffic controller's house yes. <laughs> just to be together. Yeah. <laughs> no, they but the the passengers to so the passengers they did not like they didn't tell the passengers halfway through like hey just so you know we uh are either gonna stall or crash into a mountain right so the passengers like didn't really know what had happened but this whole thing so they just thought that there was a maintenance problem with the plane they felt the vibration so i'm sure that they were they knew something was wrong but and they knew that they were 
the flight was canceled or whatever but um they didn't find out the details of what happened until they started to come out so for the investigation best kind of investigation the investigation where you have everybody there to interview you know and you've got the plane and everything is intact yeah. everybody's alive and so they sit down and, and interview the four pilots on what happened and the first officer said you know what he did which was when it the vibration happened and he he wanted to get off the ground and he pulled the nose up and that's not right and yeah. that when he was trying to control the plane and like make up for the um the thrust differential right the plane wanting to go to the right uh, he used his yoke instead of the the rudder and that's wrong too but the the captain said who i mean the captain again nerves of steel yeah like indescribable nerves of steel but the captain said like really it's he like took responsibility for it and said i was focused on you know figuring out you know doing the engine checklist and like going you know checking out all of the lights and everything the the warnings that were up like i was focused on that and i wasn't paying attention to the first officer and i wasn't monitoring his flight so i wasn't helping him fly the plane right he was doing it by himself so like captain i wish i knew his name good guy solid dude guy what a guy and frankly like but the thing is is the investigators again i love an investigator that will dig in a little bit and they were like to ask the first officer like why did you do the wrong thing basically which is a a sucky question to get right but like why like that's not what your training says yeah like why did you do the wrong thing and the one reason is because it's intuitive there is an intuitive element to using the thing that's in your hands to steer right like you would with a car and it's intuitive i want to go up and i and and again these he's a well he's a good pilot but that's when they found out that he had only taken off one time in the last year and the investigators were like excuse me united what is this and they and at the time there were not official rules on this they Mm -hmm. they the um faa basically treated time in the flight simulator and actual physical manual taking off landing all of that they just treated it the same way and said it's if you're practicing takeoff and landing in the simulator that's fine even if you're not doing it in real life it's not the same of course it's not the same and the simulators again are made to be excellent and they are not the same right and um so united they were not outside they weren't breaking rules and they were doing what everyone else was doing in the industry but i do appreciate they added the they added this flight this like they took the flight data recorder from united 863 and made a a sim of it like a flight they added that flight to the flight simulator so that when people are in the flight simulator they'll practice that particular um scenario you know yeah loss of engine during takeoff yeah but also they made a rule that pilots need to um take off and land at least three times in each 90 day period which i know sounds funny but again pilots have crazy schedules yes once a month would be ideal but maybe with pilots they might have crazy weird schedules and stuff so they changed that and that did ultimately become like an industry standard Hmm. 
And I will United, say though, huh? yeah, yeah, United again. I think it's I think United. I don't think they're great, but I think it's they're I think they're worse at PR. I mean, oh, even so this. Bad. And I read some of the old archived articles on this, and they like offend me like a couple of them are like like one of them is like inexperienced pilot almost oh, kills everybody and i'm just like that's not nice don't get do that but yeah get out of here you can be nicer than that yeah. but but um <laughs> so they did you know make improvements and they added this but i will say that pilots this is an ongoing problem because three times in three months actually not that much not that often yeah right and I know, I know I've talked about this before, but like my last flight ever when I was, uh, my last non-rev flight ever yeah. where I took a flight as a employee, I sat next to a pilot and he, um, we had like a lovely conversation. He was very nice, but he yeah. um, talked about how as a captain, yeah, he really does only take off or land like a three times in three months or whatever like a handful of times and the rest of it's in the simulator and it's not the same it's not the same and it it does your skills will degrade over time and but the reason for that is because they're trying to give as much experience as possible to the first officer who's a newer pilot and he worked for one of the um like regional commuter um airlines for delta and so that means that the first officers that they're getting are really new like first officers for like mainline like a first officer on a 747 is going to be pretty experienced before he even becomes a first officer on an aircraft like that for a major airline but a first officer on like a CRJ 200, like a little plane on a regional carrier on like GoJet, they might, this might be their first job as a pilot. Mm, you know what I mean? And yeah. they're going to have fewer hours and you want to give them as much as possible and you want to give them that experience and right. like invest in their career. And that means that if you're the captain, you're not getting a yeah, lot of actual practice, flying yeah. time. Yeah. And that sucks and it's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't even know how, yeah, I don't even know how, like, I don't know. I don't know how you would address it. Right. I mean, there's got to be a way, right? Like, there's, I mean, I guess it is one of those things where there's, like, uh, you can see why it is the way that it is. Right. And you can do things like requiring time in the flight simulator and, um, there's things that you can do, but take off and landing are the most dangerous parts of your flight. And I don't say that to scare anybody, right? Because thankfully it's not very dangerous, but it is the most dangerous yeah. part of the flight. And um, if you fly long haul flights, you might only have yeah. four, three, two takeoffs and landings all week that you're right. even participating in at all. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. And, like, it's good to have the flight simulators, obviously, but it isn't yeah. the same. I mean, it's not, there's, there's like, something to be said about also the stakes, you know? Like, it. Right. It's totally different. Right. Me- and like you're just in a totally f- different yeah. mental space. Yeah, I know that they, um, 
there are a lot of reasons why I'm not a pilot. And one of them is because I do think it takes like a particular way of thinking and like a particular yeah. temperament and all of that. But the um, I know I've said this before and it's literally someone else's story, but um, uh, 7-4 gear that um, pilot on YouTube, he tells a story about um, when he was in some kind of training uh, early in his career and he was in the instruction school and he was at the flight simulator and in like a group setting like there were other people on other flight simulators and there's the professor like instructor rather walking around and he was kelsey the guy who runs that channel was um flying in the simulator and something started to go wrong like something was happening bad like his plane was not responding the way he expected it to or whatever Mm. it was something was going wrong and he thought the simulator was broken and he stopped like flying the simulator and like raised his hand and asked told the instructor like hey i think something is wrong with the simulator and the instructor like yelled at him in front of everybody but like really let him have it and was like something is not wrong with the simulator you're in a simulation where it's simulating something going wrong and you have to like get into that headspace and like take this activity really seriously and not give up and like just switch to an easier level or whatever like you have to like fly this like it's a plane you have to fight till the end yeah and i'm sure that's like very embarrassing or not a good feeling at all but it was obviously it stuck with him enough that he said it on his channel and now i'm telling it here right so um but just you have to like try to get into the headspace as if it was real right i mean it's 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 not right right but but you also it isn't and that is just always going to be part of the picture right Right. it it it's like flight simulators tend to cut before you actually crash and that's intentional because they don't want to i guess psychologically they think it will just be better for the people they're training if you don't like actually show that part and i know that pilots really do try to like get into that headspace as if it's real and it's not and that's the thing right so good on them doing their best to train as well as they can but exactly yeah yeah, nothing replaces the real thing right jeez it's rough out there it is rough out there (laughs) but i mean like it's it's a good like when you are in those situations and you're just thinking about it one way and it's like hey this thing is broken and he's like no 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 right like it's not it's (laughs) not broken oh wait okay it's not broken okay this is what i have to do right being like no this fucking thing's broken (laughs) you know right 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 because if you're in a plane in the sky and it starts (laughs) to something goes wrong you can't go like hey it's it's broken broken." like (laughs) hop off guys yeah oh my gosh i think about people Okay, that I've had people ask, and maybe you have too, since we've been doing this, like why they don't just like they've got so many safety features on planes. Why don't they just have like a parachute under everyone's seat instead no. of a life vest or whatever? No, I never. No, <laughs> oh no, I've never even thought about that. I understand where the idea would come from, um, just, and it, but it won't work because no. guys, guys, it's friends, not easy to parachute. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't know how to fucking parachute exactly and can you imagine grandmother parachuting if that's the safety feature like that's not right right and and like so if you're when something goes wrong and people just have to evacuate on the ground right on the ground and the plane is you know god forbid on fire or something it's confusing it's if it's dark if it's raining whatever's going on just then people 
have a very hard time like quickly filing out of the aircraft right right? like that's it's hard there's like jams people will like try to crowd out too um too fast and will like get it get stuck or they like try to pound it into your head at the beginning of the flight look around see where the nearest exit is maybe it's behind you because your brain in an emergency will try to go out the way you came in and everybody will like rush to the front even if there's there might be one in the roll right behind you an exit in the roll right behind you but imagine how bad it would be if the thing you have to do is jump out right. of an airplane. Right, you're just like right? a regular ass person. Person, right, who was not planning on doing this. No. This was not something you thought you would do. There's no, like, if you actually have to jump, like if you're skydiving for the first time, you will have an instructor, like, strapped to you, right? right? There's no, like... You don't decide it, it, when you jump, right? Like... Right. No, it's I get I get the idea because you think like in a situation where everybody is in horrible, horrible stories where like things go really, really wrong and the plane is up in the sky and unlandable. Right. Right. I get the thinking like, well, we have a thing to help people land, like jump out safely. This technology exists, but we are mere mortals and like your plane. And like once the door is open, isn't it open? I mean, how could you even shut it? No, you couldn't. Yeah. Well, like, uh, it depends on the aircraft, but yeah. Yeah. But we like, right. We close like the gate agent closes the door. Right. Um, on a big plane on little or on smaller planes they are well on smaller planes they have their own stairs like when they open the door right right it's like air stairs down and that would be it just it's not good and like you might be at like twenty thousand feet or something so you open the door and then you're at your everyone passes out because they can't you jump out and lose consciousness right that's not good so no right, right. so it, it won't like work the parachutes are broken then everyone just dies right. anyways like no that's a hundred percent a hundred percent way to go right horrible i know well think about like in the military you know like a lot of the people i graduated with um like high school with were in the military and i remember yeah. one of them was in um what are they airborne i don't know what to call it but he like he spent like six weeks in part of his training was literally just like jumping out of planes every single solitary day oh my god for like long stretches of time and the point was to just make it feel like second nature like no reaction just totally normal and obviously that's along with all the other like psychological conditioning that Mm -hmm. goes into that but uh but that's with the army when the army does do that right the military does have large groups of people jump out of planes and it takes a ton to get people who volunteered to plan <laughs> to do that right you know so your look around you yourself the next time you're up, you're on a plane and just yeah. think like could this group of people <laughs> parachute together out of this plane? right in like an orderly way yeah right with like babies in your arms and stuff no man yeah what about that? oh my god right yeah parachutes, or like a dog just like throw right yeah <laughs> just like throwing right. them out and letting the parachute go right it would uh, be nice but it is not possible no and it probably i think it takes like a lot of time to put on a parachute correctly yeah like it probably i, I mean at that I yeah don't, i don't know i guess they have like backpack parachutes but but I mean, I think you need, yeah, it's like a lot of straps. 
Right. In a very confined space. Right. Right. Yeah. And just things like even, I mean, unfortunately, so they have the life vests and life vests really don't come up that often right when they say like in the unlikely event of a water landing like it's true it is an unlikely event but even like that's a a much simpler process a much simpler piece of of like garment technology i don't know what to call it but um the people you know do make mistakes with that too or the like little fall down oxygen people make mistakes with that like they tell you you know they tell you put your own mask on before and you help then, other people right. and like it won't blow up it's air is there don't worry yeah <laughs> but those are both things that yeah people in a panic state don't immediately master and right. yeah parachuting is a bridge too far too far <laughs> too, too far. far i don't know maybe they can make a hatch on top and whoever wants to parachute out can gone you imagine <laughs> just make like, it like a oh my the plane's gosh fine and people are just like I, i'm gonna free oh my gosh class or free skydiving would you ever want to do skydiving yeah i think i would yeah i think i would yeah i would i would definitely do it it freaks yeah. me out uh to be strapped to another person i would really have to trust them I think well, that would be like the worst part of it for yeah. you would be the other person just the like, instructor so close yeah. you're so yeah. close to me yeah that's fair and like that's fair i don't know but yeah i mean it seems cool i'd do it yeah I definitely, my dad's I... been skydiving <laughs> really yeah. when did your dad go skydiving oh god when i was i don't know i was probably like seven or eight maybe so he's so... in his you know early 20s or whatever. oh gosh <laughs> like oh your little uh, baby dad my baby dad and uh right. he showed me the video it's pretty cool oh my gosh yeah, yeah. cool did yeah. he do it in new york state yeah yeah cool yeah. yeah it was cool a couple of years ago <laughs> i think when my grandpa turned 70 maybe or 75 i was you know one of those uh, my grandma wanted to get him skydiving for it's <laughs> like a oh my gosh thing to do but you have to like he couldn't because of his knees and you have to have, be able to like land on your knees or whatever oh yeah like bounce that um, like not bounce but like the little like yeah like you have to be able to take impact like i think his right knees would just shatter and buckle so he oh my gosh go. no 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 yeah i'd do it you cool. would not i I well yeah um being being close to another person is the is not the part that bothers me (laughs) I I am very I am like you know this like I'm a very very like touchy person yes and so that that part's fine um the jumping part is I think um I would like to go in a plane ride. I would like to. I would like to come in the plane if you want to jump out. Yeah. I don't know. You're like I don't. The mom taking pictures, like. Yeah. I could do that. I could do that. All right. Um. I think that it would be my cousin is, maybe is a skydiving instructor or like was very cool into skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. Like very. So I don't. I think some i think that there was a professional element to what she was doing i don't know yeah exactly what that what what it was but she did a lot of skydiving it's a cool job and so cool right um but i think i don't want to say i would not do it but i 
think that I'm fine if I never do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I think fair. I kind of feel that way. Did you go like bridge jumping? Like, do you like to jump off high things when you were a kid? Oh my God. Yeah. Or in, we used like, to, yeah. we used to go down to Zor Valley and jump off the waterfall. And there were oh, two yeah. points. There were two points you could jump off. There was a lower one that was like totally manageable. And then the higher mm-hmm. one, you definitely had to work up some courage. And it was like a one or two times. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to stick to the lower one, you know? Yeah. Did you, I guess you were in like on the other, you were like, like, like Lake Erie was like your yeah. Great Lake and Lake yeah. Ontario was like my Great Lake or whatever. But um, <laughs> Lake Alice is, I, or I don't know why Lake Alice is just like a little nub off of Lake Ontario, like where okay. like, so Lake Erie and then there's Niagara Falls and then there's like the Creek and then there's, or like the river or whatever. And then there's Lake Alice and then there's, or maybe not, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Lake Alice is attached, is in that mix somewhere, somewhere yeah. right? The watery mix. And it's, there's like a bridge over Lake Alice that is just a spot where people bridge jump and it's a very good spot for it. And so yeah. we used to do that. And yeah, I really liked that yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but it was, uh, that is a shorter distance. <laughs> Much um, shorter. And yeah. you don't need any special equipment to do it. No special equipment. You can just jump in and there's, it's water. You're not going to hit the ground. I would, guys, I, if we were going to do an in-person hangout, yeah, bridge jumping on like a day that's 90 degrees, that would actually be the hangout. Yeah. That would be the hangout, yeah. right? Immediately, yeah. That would be a good time. Oh. We would like to hang out with you guys, but yeah, we got to figure it out. It would be. Um, oh, fact. Fact. So I had a fact all geared up. And then about 30 minutes before we started recording, <laughs> I found out about this other guy. So it's not really a fact, but the there's going to be homework. You guys need to look this guy homework. up because I am not going to do him justice. But he, if you already, I would be shocked if you didn't know him, but I kind of hope you don't. Do you know a I'm man ready. named Darius McCollum? McCollum? No. Okay, no. He's, a, he's, a, he's a wonderful man. He was born in Brooklyn, and um, he is autistic, which is important mm-hmm. to the context of the story. Mm-hmm. At the age of eight, he had all of the transportation systems memorized in New York City. Oh. All of like the MTA, all of the subway stops, how to like drive the trains, all of this stuff, right? So when he's 15, he steals a New York City subway train, but just so he could drive passengers. Like he just, he drove six stops correctly. Everything was perfect. Everything was safe. Everything was fine. He drove at six stops and then they arrested him. So, you know, because of the arrest and with the civil service test and all of that stuff, he couldn't apply to be like to work for MTA or any of the like New York City transportation companies. Over the course of his life, he has been arrested 30 times (gasps) for stealing (laughs) and properly driving all different types of transportation vehicles buses subway cars long island railroad cars let the man work (laughs) right people from uh the bus uh like some of the bus drivers Mm -hmm. would literally have him cover their shift if they wanted to just like go (gasps) home oh my god he would show up at staff meetings 
he was like the nicest person. He would answer questions for people. And he know he knows how to drive everything. Everything. Let he he um he so basically it's there's like a lot of in between and you can read about all of his different arrests and all of these things but i think trying to find the number here i think he spent like a total of 18 years of his life in jail for, what yeah for just like because he's being charged with essentially stealing new york city equipment and, and this each, is like presently so he's doing this post 9 11 he um i think it started before it started before 9 11 he's been doing he was okay. born in 1965 okay gotcha gotcha so gotcha. he's been so, doing it since he was 15 and right, like mta okay. had his his picture posted oh yeah all over everything you, so like he's kind of like a like a like he's got like a little bit of a cult following yeah um but it's it's so there's like this petition. This is how I found out about it. There's this petition mm-hmm. going around because the last time that he was arrested, uh, he was put into a mental institution and they deemed him like a category one, which is like uh, considered to be like a danger to yourself and a danger to others. Mm. And part of the agreement was when he got arrested, it was like an indefinite placement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's like a petition going around but literally, he just wants to drive a fucking train or in, in a yeah. bus. When he was in, uh, the first time he was in Rikers Island, he wrote a letter to the Department of Corrections asking if he could drive the corrections bus. Yeah, <laughs> of course he did. Just fucking of course he did. And let him fucking drive a train or whatever. Or like, I don't know, fix the subway system. I'm sure he could do that. Right. He probably like, he probably has some ideas yes, on how to improve things. He knows. Yeah. And he like knows <laughs> one time he got arrested. This is why I brought it up actually. One time he got arrested. He's he's been he's so polite, he's so nice. Like, you know, that's what all the reports say. All the cops oh. who have arrested him said that. He, the the la- one of the times that he was arrested, I think it was like in 2008, he was like, "Guys, next time I'm going to steal a plane and I'm going to fly a plane." <gasps> Don't he say never it, Darius. Right. He don't, never did that. He, thankfully, yeah. from what I could see, he never did that. Yeah. But he just wants to drive a fucking bus. Like, and, oh, here's the other thing. His parents tried to move him out of New York City because they're like, okay, this is there's a lot of fucking trains. Let's get away from this. Yeah. New York City would not let him because he was on parole in New York. Oh, my gosh. So they would not let him move away. Stupid. Yeah. From the stupid thing that he could not live without. And he was 15 the first time. Exactly. That's a minor. They right. should have just let him become uh, right. the, maybe the, the civil service exam. I don't know. But like he guys get out uh, of people's way. You got to get right. out of people's way sometimes and just let the man God. be uh, an engineer or a bus driver. Right. Just let the man work. Like we can turn this around. And granted, like I don't there wasn't, you know, I've I read seemingly one-sided i don't know if there's like a ton of other details that there is a reason why or you know whatever uh well but in I, new york it, city you you don't want everyone to feel like they can just steal a train or a right bus. exactly like, which, you really need that to not right, be a which everyday I, thing right which i understand was a sentiment and of course you know it's he started this in what the 80s like yeah you can't you can't have that Especially yeah. considering like New York the at the time. Like, it's just not going to... Tough on crime. Yeah. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's... So, he's... Yeah, he's still... 
locked away. You work but with people. You gotta just. You gotta. I mean, he did it right all, every time. He drove correct. Like people had him cover their shift, <laughs> and That's... it was just like every time he got arrested, it was just like, oh damn, I got caught. Yeah, he'd have like he'd yeah. have keys in his pocket, like train keys oh in his pocket gosh. or something. No, you know though, if he got arrested thirty times, then he's done it like eighty times yeah, or a hundred times. Least. Like he's just, <laughs> I don't know. But I will say, if you were the conductor on a train and like got out to whatever, smoke a cigarette, eat a yeah. donut, whatever, whatever you're doing right <laughs> then, you know, gone. just like, and your train is gone, yeah. yeah, that would be horrible, rough, yeah, yeah. And I, anybody, transportation as a whole is such a hard job to work in yeah but um i think about like pilots are pretty insulated from like the worst of like customer service right Mm. with the passengers and stuff like which is good right i'm that's a good thing yeah but that's it's not they're they're concerned about it but they don't they have less of the like people screaming at you and like people are also less likely to scream at them than they are to scream at like the you know five foot two woman working behind the gate but um but like bus drivers gotta all of it all of it all the time people screaming at them the train conductors people scream at them all the time time. just will like belligerently i would bet any amount of money that they get hit all the time because there's signs everywhere like it's a felony and like yeah 10 years for hitting a um mta employee or whatever because i'm sure they get hit all the time yeah and hopefully i've never heard a story of a pilot getting punched by a passenger i'm sure it's happened i've not heard it uh, outside of like the context of hijackings and stuff but that's a really bad thing that can happen but um but just like an a belligerent passenger who didn't plan to punch somebody when they left their house and just did because they were mad right yeah um but like i say that to say that like working those jobs for the mta is hard and brutal and like you've got someone who is desperate to do it like just give them a job yeah i don't like just do it i don't know or loosen your stupid parole like your parole officer is a jerk yeah you gotta yeah you can't have it both ways i'm gonna i was about to go off into like a thing about like the parole system and maybe Pro system is deeply broken. Yes, I'll leave it, it at is. that. Yes, it's it is. profoundly broken. Yeah. Though, and, I mean, every, like the yeah. whole, th- this is an example of how broken every, everything is in terms of right. like our right. penal system or whatever the hell it's called. Like, but that kind of, yes, yes, unequivocally, but like the, 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 that specific thing where, Hey, if I like move out of this, county or whatever if i move here i will like maybe you got hired at a job somewhere else or maybe your family lives somewhere else or whatever you have like a sibling who you can move in with who will like help you know i need to get out of this situation yeah and like they you know just deny those requests or sometimes i do know that sometimes it's because the local parole board won't accept the person Mm, and that's kind of that like nimby like not my backyard like jurisdictions where people say like we don't want people on parole in our neighborhood and it's just like oh well 
we we're not gonna get along <laughs> sorry like i'll just again i'm trying to like keep it contained but like that's that's not yeah. um people people just need a way forward in life yeah. you just need a way forward and it is not okay to let people out of jail and give them no way forward exactly that makes no sense like you cannot do that to people so i don't know darius i is what's the what is his name darius um McCollum? McCollum. McCollum. With an N or an M at the end? Uh, N. M-C-C-O-L-L-U-M. Okay. Darius McCollum. Yeah. That's a name. That's a name. He, there's, a, there's, there have been, um, I think, one or two documentaries made about him. Uh, so I'm him. definitely going to go watch. Oh, yeah. They were, they have not been, like, updated or recent to his most recent arrest, but um oh, now this like petition or whatever is going around which i like yeah. i don't i don't really know what a petition could do but you know that's neither here nor there yeah i'm sorry that's I'm like, terrible look at him, look at him. <laughs> i know look at him know. wearing wearing the uniform yeah they would arrest him just for wearing the uniform i'm sure it was pre- well, like <laughs> conditions of his per- parole or whatever that he couldn't but uh here's what i'll say the there's a lot to be said about the MTA, so much to be so said. Much. But those MTA, those MTA employees last year who got arrested because they would punch in and then like go home. They like they mm. racked up like literally like two hundred thousand dollars in overtime in mm. one year because they would like be punched in. They would just like randomly show up to work, punch in, and leave, and then come back like sixteen hours later and punch in. And they would work their normal shifts. But they would punch in all the time, which like that, along with the fact that this gentleman um, seems to be able to steal a lot of buses and trains, um, makes me think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. He's got people on the inside. (laughs) He's got friends. I'm just saying that that it seems like things are a little a little loosey goosey. -goosey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But I love it. Yeah. I want good things for him. I Whatever know, that is, I, I want it for him. I know. So. Maybe when they retire, they keep... I mean, I kind of hope they don't, but I know eventually they will retire the... Um, I don't know. It's the R train in my neighborhood, but those those trains that are, I think, from the late 60s, maybe the early 70s oh, like the that they're using. orange ones? Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe they should just like give one of them to Darius yes. like let him have one right. just give it to him exactly he's earned it during like oh the other thing I read during 9-11 he helped firefighters find secret spots in the subway system no. to like get access to people that's it yes. that's it pardoned like wiped clean I, yeah that's it yeah. that's the end yeah. that should have been the end they, they should have immediately hired him right i'm that's sure like, they needed to hire people on? just hire yeah. him somewhere just hire him let the man and they also i don't know and i know they're desperate to hire right now oh yeah this should be his moment yeah. because they are desperate yeah. to hire wow yeah. what what a guy right i love him yeah i love him yeah and i want good things for him same so go look them up, everybody. I love you, and I want good things for you, Mariah. <sighs> you too, Casey. Good things are good things are coming. 
good things are coming. Yeah. We love all of you yeah. and we want good things for each and every one of you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to all do our best every day. Every day. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok. Still don't know how to use TikTok, so if you know how to, please tell us. Uh, we hope that you're having a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, thank you again. If you are one of our new listeners, thank you for making it all the way to the end. If you're not one of our new listeners, you guys know we love you. So, uh, I will see you next week. Mm-hmm.